Hi everyone, I'm Martin Tyler. You are listening to the NL Full Time Podcast. Welcome to this week's NL Full Time. I'm Luke Edwards and there's a lot of girl power on this week's podcast. Joining us is Abby Colbrook, who's a Weymouth fan and also author of the Non-League blog. Follow it on Twitter at non-league underscore blog. Hello, Abby. Hello. And we'll also be hearing from uh, Serena Arcea later on as well. And we've also got the regulars, apart from Rob Laurel, he's away in Poland. So we've got Chris Pratt. Hello, Chris. Hello, Luke. And we've also got Dickie Wharton. Hello, Dickie. Good morning, Luke. Good morning, everybody. And happy birthday for the weekend, Dickie. Oh, thank you very much indeed. That's very kind of you. What is it? Tw- 21, is it, Dickie? Uh, 21 plus, yeah, a few, 30 add on to that. Oh, gold. <laughs> oh, wow. <laughs> Doesn't get any easier, does it, Dickie? <laughs> no, it doesn't, no. But, uh, no, you've just got to keep going, haven't you? And you had a lovely day spending it up in Bradford. Where else would you want to be, eh? <laughs> yes, when the fixtures came out, well, I thought that, that, that it couldn't have gone any better. But, no, I had a, had, a, had a decent day there. Excellent. We'll get on to that later, um, but we'll just head back now to Monday. It was all a full fixture list in the... National League on Monday afternoon and before the game between Aldershot and Sutton, Rob caught up with the Sutton manager Matt Gray I'm very kindly joined by Sutton United manager Matt Gray now Matt, you're back in familiar surroundings today at the Ebb Stadium three matches we talked to you but uh, just want to talk about a few of the changes in your life over the last few months 12 years I think as a coach League 2 level, National League level and you finally got your chance to step up and be the main man at Sutton. How's it been for you so far? Really enjoyable. Yeah, I've loved it. I felt I felt I was ready, as you say, 12 years at four different clubs, either in the League Two or, or uh, in the National League. So I've certainly done my uh, apprenticeship, if you like. So no, I felt, I felt the timing. Uh, I felt I knew I was ready. It was just uh, when and if I'd get the opportunity. And I was thankful enough it, it came along in the summer. And I'm really pleased to be manager of Sutton. And, and one, I guess, positive thing for you is that you're already there as head coach. And, and obviously it was a time of upheaval with Paul Doswell moving on after so many years. But you knew what you already had there. And I'm sure you had to have a little bit of a fisticuffs with Dos about who was going, who was staying. But um, what was that like, that recruitment challenge? As you say, I think it's it very beneficial for me to to have seen the squad from Christmas onwards, the second half of the season. So I was in a fortunate position that when I did get the job, I did know the characters of the player. I knew you know, their strengths, their weaknesses, and I knew how I wanted to sort of make my own stamp on it, if you like, and, and who I wanted to keep and who I didn't really want to keep. But uh, mm. Dozzy and especially, you know, Bairdy, both of them uh, were very instrumental in me, helping me get the job and give me the chance to have the, the couple of interviews that I did. Um, but then in terms of who I wanted to keep and who I didn't want to keep, it was, it was obviously solely down to, to my, my decision and how I wanted to freshen the squad up and, and make my, uh, my impact on it. One of the things I've noticed that although obviously some very good and some very experienced players have moved on from Sutton, a number of them too haven't and Waterlooville, you've still kept a good nucleus of good and experienced players, particularly through the spine of the side. Is that something that's critical for you? Yeah, definitely. I'd, I'd say nothing, nothing on the guys that have left because they all left for, for different reasons, but the, the most important thing to me, yes, I want good players and I want players who have played this level, but the most important thing for me is character uh, and players who, are, who I know will put on the shirt and, and give it all for me and the club and, and for their teammates. So me, me, as you say previously, get to know those characters. I knew the hardcore nucleus of that squad, which was a really good dressing room that I wanted to keep. And it was up to me then to, to recruit the, the right people and players to, to add into that. And 
so far so good. I'm, I'm pleased with every single one who's come in the door. Now, in terms of expectations, um, from outside the club at least, I know you'll have had your own, but a lot of people will look at it a little bit lazily and go, oh, Doz has gone, maybe the money's gone, da 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 you know. Um, if anything, that probably only helps. You, you, you've got to go with your remit from, from scratch from you, so it's not about what's happened previous years, it's just a, just about what you can achieve, isn't it? Yeah, exactly. It's, just, it's, a, it's a big unknown with, with Dozzy doing an unbelievable job here. Um, for 11 years and you know I'm not a big name or a household name if you like so who's Matt Gray and Paul, Dos- Paul Doswell the club legends leaving and you know uh, you know how they're going to get on but uh, I see that as a challenge um, um, I'm not really setting any sort of goals to the team I'm just taking it's an old cliche Rob but taking each game as it comes we've started okay um, and we just want to try and accumulate as many points as we possibly can. Um, first and foremost, Mike, it's the whole 50-point mark. If we can get mm. to that as soon as we possibly can, and then look at the playoffs and can we have a challenge? And I don't see any reason why not. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, uh, to your credit, first five games of the season unbeaten. You finally come unstuck on Saturday um, against Dover, uh, and I guess that gives you now a different opportunity to see how your players respond after a defeat. Yep, yeah, it's, it's the first time obviously we're we're now preparing for a game after the back of a but back of a defeat but I think in three of our previous five games we've come from behind um, to show great character to get back into games so I don't question the desire and, and the attitude amongst the lads I know they'll respond and, and hopefully uh, we can get a result today to put us back on track. Okay and again just general really but coming back to this place you had quite a few years here some some good times and some tough times <laughs> under couple of different managers. How are you feeling coming back to the Ebb Stadium? Oh, I absolutely love it. I, I, I love this place. It's four years here. As you, as you just said, there's some uh, some uh, extremely bad lows, you know, with the administration, mm. etc. And some some bad days, but um, on the flip side, some many, many great days, you know. To One of our biggest achievements that I remember for a long time, to come from minus 10 points um, and signing players on the eve of the season away at Grimsby. Um, and after coming out of administration a few days earlier, it was, was definitely one of the biggest achievements and will be in my career to, to be a part of that staff uh, to, to make sure we kept our National League status was massive. But also talking about League Two and being West Ham away in front of 20,000 people, Man United mm. here, mm. Um, there were certainly some many highs and uh, I think it's a, a great club with a great fan base and really good people here. So I love coming back here and... and uh, you wish him well after today. I wish exactly, yeah. Rob. You took the words out of my mouth. <laughs> nice one. Thanks for joining us, Matt. Great to speak to you. We'll catch up with you later in the season at Gander Green Lane. Brilliant. Thanks a lot. And that was Sutton United manager Matt Grain. He was left a bit disappointed on Bank Holiday Monday as they drew 1-1 away at Aldershot. And it got worse for them on Saturday as they lost 3-0 at home to Maidenhead. Uh, goals from Shamir Fenlon and Danny Whitehall got them over the line and I know Chris you said the other week you were really impressed with Maidenhead and that's another really good victory down at Sutton Yeah, do you know what? I'd still say that Maidenhead are the best side that I've seen uh, this season um, in terms of their organisation and in terms of the strike power they've got as well I mean I've, I've gone on about him a lot on this podcast but like Jake Cassidy and, and he's, just, he's just a fantastic player and he's going to score when he gets a chance and he creates them as well Shamir Fenlon had a fantastic game yesterday and do you know what they're suited to playing away from home as well that's four out of four on the road from Maidenhead and uh, yeah I'm, after seeing them on the opening day of the season I'm not surprised where they are at the moment Another team who are continuing to surprise, though, are Woking. They're up at the top. They won again against Barrow. Really topsy-turvy game after falling behind to an early goal. 
Uh, they came back to win by three goals to two, and um, that is a fantastic result, and they, they keep on going, Woking. Oh, it's, a, it's an amazing result, isn't it? And who'd have thought they'd be top of the table with 21 points at the, at the end of August? But I tell you what, Martin Tyler played it down in the interview at the end of the game. He said, no one's ever won a football season that ends in August. <laughs> and he's, uh, he's quite right there, isn't he? And I can't believe, thinking about it, I can't believe they've played eight games already. And it is the end. it was the end of August yesterday as well. Um, I think... There may be a little bit of fatigue. You know, he mentioned that they played the same team again. They were lacking a bit of freshness. So I really like the noises coming out of Woking. They're playing everything down, um, but they're doing fantastically well. In terms of Barrow, Ian Everett said, you know, we, we beat ourselves again today. And I saw them beat themselves a little bit at Stockport County a few weeks ago as well. So uh, disappointment for Barrow. They're not where they want to be at this stage of the season. And, um, you know, joy for Woking. Yeah, something we touched on last week about Barrow, basically, that the away from home, they keep taking the leads and then throwing it away, don't they? And that's something they need to address quick. Oh, absolutely. I mean, they've got so much quality in that side as well. They've got steel at the back. They've got some real tough players in that team as well. Um, but it's not. It's just not working for them. They've got creativity in, you know, in, in, in Rooney there. Um, yeah, I don't think Ian Everett can put his finger on it either, and I certainly can't. Now, I know you, you mentioned about the schedule there, Chris, eight games in a month as well, and I know a lot of managers, including Tim Flowers, has mentioned that, although he said it's not an excuse because everyone else plays the same amount of games, but it's rare as hen's teeth, but Solihull have lost three in a row now. Uh, it happened again on Saturday as they, they lost 2-1 at Halifax, thanks to uh, Liam McAlinden in his rich vein of farm, and Chris, Solihull have just hit the buffers, haven't they? Yeah, they, yeah, just the, well, it's like a micro, it's like a micro season, isn't it? Yeah, they've, they've they've not done well the last few games, but they started like a house on fire, and that start has still kept them in um, in the in the playoff spots. But when you do have such a a, cl- a a close group of games, that can happen, can't it? If you have a bad game in one, you take that into the next one, then they've, they've taken that into the next one after that, and. Uh, yeah, he certainly didn't look very happy when I saw him being interviewed uh, last night, Tim Flowers. But I think they've got enough quality in there to, to keep up there and, and certainly keep in the race. Yeah, and Halifax have woken exactly the same goal difference now, but the two points separate them. It is Woking who are up there, as we said. Two other teams who are kind of not re- replicating their form of last season are, are Harrogate and Fylde and... Harrogate lost again yesterday, another home defeat to um, Dover, who were really having a good season as well, and also filed, they only drew 2-2 away at Bromley, so it's been, um, I mean, there's been, uh, obviously no calls of unrest at Harrogate, but there has been rumours of unrest up at Fylde, both sides not doing as well as they, they should be doing. Yeah, well, I'll, I'll take the one, because I did see them last week. Yeah, I think um, they did beat Stockport last week, but... I, w- I still wasn't that impressed with them, to be perfectly honest with you. I think they were they were slightly fortunate. They got a goal in like the third minute of, of injury time, and they weren't really playing the football that I've seen them play previously. They were they were depending a lot on um, banging it up to to Mark Beck up front, who does a job. Of course, he does a job. Yeah. He's always going to do a job. You know, he's big. He holds the ball up, and he, he's deadly when he gets close to the area. They were they were relying on that, and they were relying on the runs down there. Um, the right hand side by the wing back who's 
name escapes me. Is it Fallonfield, possibly? I think. He's, yeah. yeah, Ryan Fallonfield. Yeah. Yeah, he's, he's, he's a fantastic player, and they were, they were doing that, and they were getting around the back. But when they didn't have the ball, I wasn't impressed with their organisation. They weren't really uh, getting behind it, and they weren't the Harrogate team that I'd seen. Uh, actually, I'd seen a couple of seasons before in the in the National League North. So, yeah, I, I can see why it's not clicking for them. I think they've got enough there to, um, to to move back up the table, and I'm not sure they'll be too worried at, at this point but um, yeah I've seen more from them in the past and um, on the filed one yeah I'm, I'm as surprised as anyone that they're where they are some of the signings that they brought in we spoke about it on the pre-season pod I think we were expecting them to, to have a much better start but I don't think I think that's not they haven't got a winning five now filed so um I think they'll be looking at each other definitely and wondering what's going on. We saw this with Tranmere a few seasons ago where it's like they should be doing a lot better, they're in 13th and then he just went on that run and blew everyone away and won the playoff. I'm sure they've still got that in them. I think my concern and the thing that made me change my mind about Foyle when we were all tipping them for winning the title was um, they lost some stability in defence quite close to the, the start of the season. I think Jordan Tunnicliffe left. They lost Zane Francis Angol, he went to Accrington Stanley. And I did wonder how that losing two regular members of that defence might affect them. And, um, you know, we know they're always good for goals, but unfortunately they've been good for conceding goals this season as well. I think they've, they've let in 13, which is more than you'd expect a, a team to do. So I think that was my worry about them. The two League Two sides, Yeovil versus Notts County, you'd have thought that would win bit more equal but you had terrible the men win it 3-1 yeah two goals from Luke Wilkinson there it's um I, I did notice that actually Abby yeah there was um obviously two ex-league two sides both got relegated last year one seems in a, a bit better shape than the other although Yeovil the, with Notts County picking up now the kind of the quality shining through with some of the players adding league two last year Yeovil are rebuilding they're, they're kind of both um even in where they are now aren't they they're not far off each other in the table and you guess out of those, like those two teams are probably going to finish comfortably mid-table. Yeah, definitely. I think the fact is, is when it comes to say the likes of Yeovil, they've had their time of shine, but most people expect them to be a lead to the national league side. I mean, yesterday when you look at the fixture as well, the only reason why not, but then you look at Notts County, you expect them to be higher up. But I think they've it's what's happening at the moment. Especially when you look at the likes of Barry Bolton, the English Football League's not exactly easy to survive in financially either. And when they come into the National League, it's not as um, it's it's not as easy, is it? I was watching that documentary, The Gaffer, the other night. I finally got around to watching that, and really interesting to see different contrasting styles of manager. But I know Craig Hignett said the same thing uh, when Hartlepool came down. He said the National League's one of the hardest leagues to get out of. So. If you get relegated, not only do you use, do you lose your football league funding, it's kind of um, it's really difficult to just come straight back up, isn't it? Abby, I think you made some really interesting points there. I was at Notts County at the first home game as well, and um, there was a little bit of discontent after about ten minutes even into the game when I, when I was looking at it, thinking, well, they're not playing that badly at the moment and um, God knows what it's like there at the moment because they haven't had the really haven't had the start that they would have expected I, I guess when they banged five in at Chorley against Chorley uh, recently they were a little bit happier but I think sometimes the fan pressure as well can, can weigh on these clubs that, that go down Oh definitely I mean when you say that it's been hard to get out of the National League 
you look at the bottleneck that there is, there's such a massive bottleneck between the Football League and National League, that what makes it harder. And then it's a different style of play as well. Just everything factors against your club. And you get quite a lot of upwardly mobile clubs in the National League as well. Um, you know, clubs who are looking up, whereas you've got maybe teams like Yeovil and Notts County have not really been in that situation, have been used to looking down that much. Um, and, and often it's it, there's sort of like a mindset at clubs that, that makes such a big difference. And those clubs that have got that positive mindset are looking up. Um, you know, that's a, that's a much better position to be in than sort of like looking around and thinking, well, we didn't expect ourselves to be here. And I think it sometimes takes clubs a little while to adjust in the National League if the clubs have come down from the Football League. Well, I see. Oh, definitely. I mean, it just takes, uh, I'll say, any time you go into the new league, you're like, oh, we didn't expect to be here. I mean, Wayne, to be honest, obviously, I've been in talk about the league, although they've managed to, we've managed to actually secure ourselves in the National or South and go, we were expected to be here, but there's other teams that just haven't really managed to settle out in their new leagues the season at all and, and to, well I mean it's funny actually we, I mean we're chatting about saying Yeovil are comfortably mid-table I mean they're only three points off the playoffs currently Notts County are a point behind them albeit three places lower down so a couple of good wins for them propel them into the playoffs and I say about that because Torquay were comfortable in the playoffs last week but they slipped up at home on Saturday against Hartlepool who were down near the bottom they've had two good wins um, in the last sort of week or so so Hartlepool have leaped from Torquay Torquay have dropped out of the playoffs and uh, sort of anything can happen at this stage of the season Chris can't it? No definitely Luke I picked this out as uh, it's quite a significant fixture actually it might not seem significant because um, you know the team's currently sitting 9th and 10th but those couple of wins from Hartlepool a real confidence boosting wins over the last um, over the last week and a term that Rob uses quite a lot I doff my cap to the Hartlepool fans who made that trip to Torquay because uh, one of the things I thought was fantastic last night, I got in quite late last night, I put on the National League highlights that I, I always do and I saw those Hartlepool fans going mad behind the goal and I thought, brilliant, that's what, that's what football's all about, isn't it, making that trip. Um, and they got a late winner as well with, with, uh, with Peter uh, Chioso as well. So I wonder whether this is Hartlepool building a bit of momentum We've talked so many times about the teams who go down and um, want to go straight back up, and that next season in particular is always difficult. Um, and could this be the start of Hartlepool uh, creeping up? You know, they've got Liam Noble there that we always talk about as being uh, a bit of a leader, and uh, can he lead them back into the playoffs? Yeah, it's a noble, noble prediction, that, Chris. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, that's the title of the pod this week, Luke. Well done. Oh, there we go, yeah. That is, yeah, that is the title sorted. <laughs> um, Hartlepool do play bold football, though, and like you say, all credit to those uh, those fans. And that's what that's what football at this level is all about, isn't it? That's why we love it so much, that you're a Hartlepool fan, you'll get in the car, get on the coach or whatever, and, and go all the way down to Torquay, and then it makes it so much better uh, when you win there. Oh, without a doubt. When you lose, it's pretty grim, isn't it? I remember we spoke to Jeff from uh, Gayshead last season who did it all on the bus, if you remember yeah. rightly. Yeah. Oh, gotcha. Uh, yeah, and the coaches and what have you. And I think he, uh, I think he mentioned one day when he went all the way down. I think it may have been Turkey actually. And I think they got beat one nil, and it was a uh, an even longer journey back. 
He got home about Wednesday, I think, didn't he? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I know Rob went down last week and had a really good weekend, barring the result, of course. Uh, so Hartlepool had much better fortune. Um, same Maidenhead and Dover, they had a surprise team in the playoffs. And another team we've leaped fell into the playoffs, Chris, is Stockport. Uh, they won 2-1 at Wrexham. And um, we'll get on to Wrexham shortly because there is a lot of discontent there. But for Stockport, they, they just keep on going, don't they? Oh, it's unbelievable, Luke. I, I mean, I wasn't sure how the, the squad, it's pretty much the same squad as it was last season in the National North. I'd seen them play against a few National League sides and I was a bit worried because of the, as much because of the physicality in the National League from the from the National League North. But no, they're doing fantastically well. Like, and they just keep winning. They're winning away, uh, apart from last week at Harrogate, obviously. And they're, they're beating teams at home quite convincingly, actually. And um, the rock solid at the back, led by Ash Palmer, who scored um, again yesterday mm-hmm. uh, for County. And the, the way they're playing is, you know, is, is fantastic at the moment. Um, one word of caution would be maybe when they, if they start picking up injuries that they haven't done really. Darren Stevenson's been injured from the start of the season, but apart from that, they haven't really picked up any injuries. Is that squad going to be uh, deep enough to have a real run at the playoffs? But I tell you what, people are enjoying it at the moment. They're having an absolutely great time. And if you think, if you saw any footage of those fans at the uh, the racecourse ground yesterday, uh, you'll see that. And um, fantastic start, yeah, absolutely brilliant. And, but somebody spoke to me yesterday about Stockport County, and he said it just shows what happens when you've got a settled squad. I mean, like I say, he's not really added much to it. Only really a couple of signings, and and that continuity helps, I suppose. Without a doubt, yeah, without a doubt. Um, we spoke about Maidenhead earlier, and I think I remember in me reporting the, the non-league paper after that a game of the opening game of the season, they got 11 new players. Um, but that's working for them. But what's, as you said, what's working for County at the moment is they've got that continuity. They're actually playing players who were in the, who were in the squad last season who didn't play as much last season. And uh, Jake Kirby will be an example of that. He, was, um, he didn't get as much game time as he's getting... This season, Elliot Osborne is running the show, and he was often he often started as a substitute um, last season. So that squad, that togetherness, and they've really built a togetherness with the fans as well. This squad, and I think that's um, the, the sort of twelfth man, if you like. I know it's a cliche, but the away support is absolutely unbelievable. As is the home support, and I think that's. That wave of success from last season is really um, is really projecting them, and it's rolled over into this season. The other promoted team from the National League North, Charlie, it's not quite going, quite going as well for them. I mean, they have kept most of the squad together, but they were on TV yesterday, and unfortunately, they, um, they didn't really uh, do themselves justice. They lost by three goals to one at home to Boreham Wood. No, a team I haven't seen yet live this season, uh, apart from on the telly, obviously, but. Um, I haven't been there to, to see them in, in person, but from what I saw in Italy, they were terrorised a bit, in my opinion, by Kabongo um, Shishimango, I thought it was absolutely fantastic yesterday. Well done, Chris. Um, <laughs> I think I got it right. <laughs> but, uh, uh, yeah, they've added quality, Charlie, haven't they? You know, Chris Holroyd's won there, he, he won a, a penalty uh, yesterday, but they've conceded 20, and I am surprised at that, because last season, we talked about County who got promoted last season and kept much of the squad but 
Andy Teague at the centre of that Chorley defence was immense last season and it just doesn't seem to be working for them. There's a oh, it was a terrible on goal, wasn't it? It was um I, it wasn't comical, I don't like to use the word comical, but it was just awful. Um Challenge his own goal yesterday. He had to put his foot in, but it's just not working for them. They've conceded the most uh, in the league and they've scored the least if you um well as well as Eastley, they've only scored six this season so far. I thought Victory Park would be a bit of a fortress, but it's it's not really happening for them. And um yeah, Jamie McGlill looked a bit concerned in his interview last night and I, and I don't blame him because you don't want to be there at this stage of the season I think Chris I saw some of that game as well um, I think the thing that concerned me from Chorley as somebody again who's watched them regularly like you have in the National League North yeah. they conceded two headed goals from set pieces which yes. is just so unlike them um, you know that, that, and something that was such a strong point for them of that that defensive solidity, for them to concede goals like that is is I, I'm sure that will be concerning Jamie Vermigli. Absolutely, it will. The other team down at the bottom as well, Ebbsfleet. They they picked up their first win on Monday afternoon, but then they met Aldershot. Um, basically, because Rob didn't go, Aldershot went and won. Uh, so I'm sure Danny Sill will be wanting Rob to uh, just just uh, move to Poland permanently. I think. <laughs> He'll be like, I'll, I'll pay, I'll pay for the one-way ticket. There we go. Um, yeah, but all the shot, good win for them. Absolutely down there. Chesterfield still struggling, only five points. And again, they've got into that habit of drawing loads of games. And again, they're having to, they seem to fall behind and then come back and draw games as well. And it, it, it's getting a bit of a habit now. Well, there's another head scratch, isn't it? Because um, isn't it? They came down and they. Just haven't really ever got to grips, have they? Really, with the with the national league. I think they went on a run towards the end of end of last season and made loads of changes. But I think I'm right in saying and um, that they haven't got a win yet this season. And um, along with Chorley, I think they're the only teams who haven't got a win. It's just not working for them. They are a bit of draw specialist. It was absolutely, wasn't it, last season that I think had. Uh, more draws than anything else and uh, Chesterfield have drawn five but they'll be wanting to turn them into wins pretty sharpish Another team who are a bit uh, as I say underwhelming we'll go, just go back to Wrexham on this Is uh, there's a lot of pressure on, on Brian Hughes now you read the forums and they feel he's not dynamic enough and um, it's a bit of a bit of a gamble taking him on and uh, they're all a bit upset with him when they didn't make it through the playoffs last season and it's kind of carried over into this season because it looks like they'd had good preparation uh, by going to Portugal and they, they got a few results but again a bit like um, a bit like Charlie in, in that last season they, they hardly conceded a goal but couldn't score them now they're, now they're scoring them but struggling to keep them out as well Yeah well look they've got Brian Hughes haven't they, they you know they might be that appointment was made um, sort of towards the end of last season and he started quite well um, he's a young manager, you know. We said this at the time. He's a young manager, and he's still, you know, he's learning his trade. They've tried experience there at Wrexham. Look, I can totally understand the discontent at Wrexham. They've been in this division for ages now. They're probably one of the most, the longest-standing members, I would think. I, I think yeah, they are. Thirteen or fourteen seasons now, which is yeah. some considerable time for a club of their size. Yeah, absolutely, and they, they just. They want to be out of it, but every season is starting the same. And then, you know, they might get in, they might get up into the playoffs, and they've lost in the playoffs. And uh, Dicky, you're, you're, I think you're closer to there, aren't you, geographically? But the, 
do you understand the discontent as well? Dicky, um, nearly Welsh, apparently, is what he's saying. <laughs> yeah, I can. I do understand. You know why? Why they're discontented? Absolutely. I don't know exactly what the problem is, but they, they sort of need. They went through a little bit of a purple patch a few years ago, where I think they were in the playoffs. Um, you know, they had some good FA Cup runs, and that sort of like generated. You know, more money for them, whatever. They haven't done that for a little while, and some of that impetus has been lost a bit. But I think they need to give a manager time to sort of like establish an identity for the club. Really, I'm not quite sure if 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 Wrexham know who they are and what they are at the moment, and uh, and you know. But if they if they're going to get unhappy about you know a managerial appointment, you know, within 12 months or so, I'm not sure they're ever going to establish that identity. To be honest, you know, they've got to give somebody time and establish an identity for the club and if that doesn't work after like a couple of seasons or so then maybe you change then but I don't think you can just you know change willy-nilly they were they were undone a little bit last season of course because Shrewsbury Town came looking for Sam Ricketts more so than Sam Ricketts you know positively seeking a move away from Wrexham so that one was kind of thrust upon them and they had to change mid-season and that wasn't ideal but um you know, they, they, I think they've got to give Brian Hughes the opportunity and, and give him some more time, yeah. The, the only point I was going to add was, like, Wrexham have got no divine right to get back in the Football League. I mean, it took Luton five seasons, I think, didn't it? And eventually, they did pump on the right manager and he, he got them, sort of... He got the fans all behind them, didn't he? And everyone was together and that's how... Uh, they just pushed on from there, really. And now look at them doing the Championship and I suppose... Uh, Brian Hughes has got to try and get galvanise the fans, get them together, and then um, they'll all kind of go in the same direction then. Luke, I saw a lot of League 2 action last season as well, and there's not a huge amount of difference between the, the, the two divisions. So, uh, the only thing, I, along the similar theme to what you and Dickie were saying, were saying, you know, Wrexham have to embrace the fact, I think, that they are now a National League club, and that's controversial, and I might get a little bit of stick on Twitter, I think for saying that but as we said they've been there for 13 or 14 years they've got to build a National League side to get out and stop I mean there's, there's such a danger isn't it we're a league club we're a league club we should be a football league club well there's a hell of a lot of those clubs who are in that division now and you've got to build a side to get out of that, that division and just embrace it enjoy the, the National League because do you know what it's a great division it is yeah and yeah it, I suppose the thing to do is like you see them saying some of the players aren't good enough. I mean, like you say, they've got. I suppose you've got to work within the budget that you're given, and also, you, like you say, you've got to get in these um, established National League players. I mean, you look at that bat line, they've, they've played in that division, a lot of them, for a while now. So now we're going to look at the National League North. Hi, I'm Adam Summerton. You're listening to the NL Full-Time Podcast. And in the National League North, uh, probably one of the top games in the division yesterday was Chester visiting Spennymoor. Now, Spennymoor were playing on with their second home game of the season due to them having the ground done up and the pitch relayed. And uh, the first uh, the first outing wasn't great. They lost 4-1 at home to York last week. But um, they had to come from behind on Saturday. They didn't need to beat Chester. And that was Chester's first defeat of the season. Yes, it was. Uh, Chester unbeaten in, in seven going into that one. But their unbeaten record's gone at last. Um, you know... After that, after that result against York last week, they probably Spennymoor probably couldn't have picked a, uh, a harder fixture than to have you know Chester, the only only one of two other unbeaten sides going there. 
and they were really, really in need of that win. Um, went a goal down early on as well, which wouldn't have helped Quasi Asante put Chester ahead. Um, but but Spennymore have got character. Spennymore have got some grit about them, and they uh, they got an equaliser early in the second half. I, I gather from looking through the commentary that it's one that perhaps the Chester goalkeeper might want to forget. I believe it, it sort of went through his legs and into the net. And then you know, cometh the hour, cometh the man. National League North Player of the Year last season, Glenn Taylor scores a 90th minute winner for Spennymore, and um, that, that that will give them a big shot in the arm. I would think. You know, everybody's looking at the table and saying, you know, we didn't expect Spennymore to be down there. We didn't expect Altrincham to be down there. Telford, my own club, all three of them got wins yesterday, which they will hope will just be the start of something better. Yeah, I mean, Glenn Taylor, I don't think uh, that might have been his first goal of the season. He, he's not been scoring for them, and when he doesn't score, they do seem to struggle. He, he, I think it may have been, yes, and Glenn Taylor, he's, if you, we talk about a talismanic striker, absolutely, that's Glenn Taylor. You know, Spennymore are built around giving him the service that he needs to score. I think into, they brought Ben McKenna in um, as a winger, during the summer to be the, the supply line for him, but yeah, it, it's just it's just not happened up to to yesterday. But again, he'll be hoping that, that that's the start of something for him as well. Strikers go through little dry spells, but you know we've seen enough from him over the last two seasons at this level to know that you know he's not turned into a bad player, and that if you give Glenn Taylor the service, he'll put the ball in the net for you. Dick, I think he might have got carried away by the statue that was unveiled of him outside Edgeley Park after he scored the uh, <laughs> brutal goal. Uh, well, <laughs> you know, it's, it, it might, that's a, a lot to cope with, isn't it? You know, that kind of adulation <laughs> from Stockport fans. But um, no, I know, I know he's, he's, he's had a bit of a laugh about that, I think, privately. And, um, but yeah, he's, he's, he's a fine player, he's Len Taylor and, uh, and, and Spenny Moore. There's too much... There's too much quality in that side for them to languish towards the bottom of the table for too long, you would think. But, you know, we've said that about lots of teams before, and, and unless you sort of, like, kick on and get a couple of wins and start moving up the table, it can be a long goal season. York are, uh, York are still going well. They had a bit of a slip-up on Bank Holiday Monday during 1-1 at home to Gateshead, but they got a really good win away at Gloucester, who were... Uh, as we spoke about this season, although they're in 14, they're quite obdurate, aren't they? And I saw them, um, I saw this score the equaliser yesterday through Joe Hanks, and it, it sent their Twitter into um, Catwalk's heaven, put it that way. It was uh, it was that good a goal, they, uh, they, were, they were shouting through Twitter, but ultimately they did lose a game 3 2, and um, that was a really uh, big win that for York, I feel. Yeah, it was. They were, uh, they were a goal up quite early on, and I think Gloucester scored two quite quickly. To, to go into the lead um, and uh, uh, York showed a bit of character and they had to dig in I think I've seen one or two uh, tweets from one I think as uh, Adriano Moke said it wasn't the easiest of places to go and, it, and it's a long way as well but yeah they were level by half time two each and then Alex Kempster's goal in the second half gives them a 3-2 win they're still the only unbeaten side in the division they've dropped points on a couple of occasions, they've had two draws, but, but they're certainly looking very strong. However, said this in the car on our drive back home from Bradford yesterday, Chorley had a very, very similar start last season and ended up 
yes, they got promoted, but ended up having to do it through the playoffs. Mm. So it's only eight games. You know, nobody should be taking anything for granted here that we're top. And I think Steve Watson has alluded to that as well. I think he did a post-match interview where he said that, yes, it's going well, but they, we, they need to be better than they are. I think he's seeing signs in there that, you know, uh, not that things aren't all that they should be, but I, I think he's just trying to ask for more from his players, essentially, there. Is this you making a bold prediction, Dickie? What, about York? Yeah, saying they're going to slip away and end up in the playoffs? No, I'm not not saying that necessarily. (laughs) But, you know, we know they've all got that incentive of, you know, the move to the new stadium that's going to happen soon that will, um, I'm sure, buoy them as well. But, uh, no, it's just that thing of, you know, eight games into the season, it's it's very early to be calling anybody, you know, champions-elect. It's a fifth of the games gone, yeah, but there's still a long road ahead. It's a it's a Wharton warning, Luke. Yeah. <laughs> Wharton is coming. <laughs> <laughs> but so yeah, it does sound it does sound very Game of Thrones, that doesn't it? A Wharton warning. <laughs> I'm, not, I'm not sure. If, I'm not sure my warnings have ever carried that much weight before. To be perfectly honest, <laughs> Chris, I'm going to come to you on this one. Kingsland, second place, uh, a club you know very well. Club uh, actually uh, for podcast listeners, it was a club that I lived pretty much right next to <laughs> for uh, for a couple of years, and used to love going to the walks. Uh, fantastic old stand there, right opposite the park. Oh, it's, it's a lovely place to go and watch football, and they're doing it on the pitch as well. And I, I, you know, I'm just looking at this National League North, and I'm sure you'll talk about some of the the clubs up there at the moment, but. Playoff spots, Kings Lynn, Alfreton, Geisley, Leamington. I'm just going to raise those ones because they're just, who would have expected this? But Kings Lynn, you know, fantastic. I've still got friends down there who go and watch them uh, week in, week out, who are just delighted with the way that things have started for them. And, um, you know, look, last time um, Kings Lynn were in the Northern Division, um, they weren't Kings Lynn Town because it did for them, because the travel was just ridiculous. They were going up to Workington. It was when they were in the old, uh, what, the Northern Premier Division. The travel just really did for them. So it's fantastic to see them flying and doing so well in this division this season. Uh, brilliant stuff, yeah. I'm delighted for it, Luke. I think I think at one point during um, yesterday afternoon, I think Kingsley were actually top in the live table, as it were. I think when it was 2-2, um, between York and Gloucester and then when Kingsley took the lead at home I think that put Kingsley top momentarily but yeah um, fantastic result we've spoken about or I've spoken about Michael Gash and Adam Marriott being you know the, the, the guys who contribute the goals for them well they were both kept off the score sheet yesterday but Chris Henderson scores twice so you know they're finding goals from another source there and we've, we've said about Kingsley being you know, not a place that teams will enjoy going, not just for the travel, but now they've got the prospect of actually facing, you know, a, a Kingsley inside who are flying when they get there as well. So, you know, I'm sure they'll use that to their advantage. Yeah, and don't forget, this club had a reform, as, as I alluded to, not so long ago. Um, maybe, I think it was maybe seven or eight years ago now, and they had to start in the, the local leagues and, and around um, around Norfolk and East Anglia and what have you, and, and to work the way up to where they are at the minute is is a dream. It's uh, yeah, another calf dot capped off. <laughs> <laughs> 
We're running out of caps here, aren't we? Can stop wasting wow. them all. You mentioned Alfredson. It was a bit of an underwhelming season last season, certainly by Billy Heath standards. But they're up there in, in third. They've just snuck in there, haven't they? And we know what Billy Heath can do in this division. Yes, they've. Um, I think that was the fifth win in six yesterday for them. Uh, four consecutive wins there. Um, and a little bit of a different one. It's, a, it's a, a possibly a more typical Billy Heath result, a 1-0 away win. At Kidderminster, a headed goal from Dom Smith, who was a Telford player last season, a player I know well. Um, and yeah, they are, they're doing tremendously well. Um, uh, last season, we looked at that and thought we, something wasn't right at Alfreton. But whatever was wrong last season, Billy Heath has certainly addressed during the summer. Um, and they're, they're more like the, you know, the, the, the team that we imagined they would be. We'll get on to a Hereford shortly because there was a big announcement out of there this week. But Leamington, um, again, Dickie, since Paul Horan celebrated, celebrated his 500th game in charge of Leamington, he's, uh, I don't think he's, he's lost or maybe he's lost one, I think, since then. And uh, they're flying in the playoffs and they're always a very underrated side, aren't they? Yes, they are. That's, um, that's a third win on the bounce for them, a third consecutive win by two-goal margin. Um, I think it was two goals for Josh March as well, who's their, uh, their new number nine. Of course, they lost Colby Bishop in the summer, late in the summer as well, to, to Accrington Stanley. Uh, a deserved move into the Football League for him. And then you might have wondered, well, where are the goals are going to come from? When you've got Paul Holland as your manager, I don't think you have too much to be worried about there because he's, you know, I'm surprised when you see him. You know, he's not wearing, um, uh, he's not carrying a pickaxe uh, <laughs> and a hard hat because he seems to be able to unearth gems from somewhere. He's always like mining the lower divisions to find somebody. <laughs> and he's brought Josh March in. Uh, he scored against Telford on Monday. Uh, he got a double yesterday. He scored last weekend as well. So he's in a, a rich vein of form as well. Um, and yeah, Lemington just keep on doing what Lemington do, and uh, I think their fans are loving it at the moment. I have got, a, I've got a great vision now of Paul Horan in a little hard hat and then pickaxes. I could, I could just imagine uh, Paul, you know, emerging from a, a coal mine. Having, I found another one. You know, he's, he's. It, it, <laughs> He's, 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 a, he's, a, he's a really smashing chap uh, and you know, say so 500 games at any level as a manager is, uh, is a tremendous achievement but um, Paul knows his business Paul knows you know the, 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 the Midlands non-league scene so well I mean I've you know turned up at games um, at, turned up at game down at Hales Owen and there's, there was Paul taking the game in you know he's always out there always looking always watching um, and it, it it doesn't surprise me that he, um, you know, has found another player in March. I also mention as well, um, I think he picked up a player called Ravi Shamsi, um, I believe was playing at something like two or three steps lower than this level last season. Uh, and he came on and absolutely destroyed Telford on Monday in the second half with his pace. You know, they just used him as the outlet upfield and he was so quick, scored two goals, led us an absolute merry dance and you just kind of look and think, you know, He's, he's found another potential gem there. Hereford are in the last playoff spot and uh, they call for Slade. And I suppose you could say yesterday was yesterday, but uh, they felt the noise and called Slade in, didn't they? <laughs> yes, they certainly did. They made an announcement on Thursday evening uh, that Russell Slade is their new manager. Um, obviously, he's very experienced in, in the football league. He's managed Leighton Orient, he's managed Grimsby Town. There's a, there's a, there's a I'm sure there's a couple of others as well. I think that's probably an appointment that Hereford fans 
fans will like they will see that as um, you know a sign that their sort of ambitions to be higher than this division have been met by the appointment of the manager they've got I think one or two people I've spoken to suggested that there's a little bit of concern that he's, he's been out of the game for a while and perhaps doesn't know this level of football either as well yeah but, um, I know I mentioned that didn't I Dickie because I'm always wary of clubs appointing managers who've not managed for say more than 18 months just because the game moves on so quickly players move on they're sometimes going for players who they knew two or three years ago who maybe aren't as good or they've had a bad injury and uh, but they trust them and they bring them in and it doesn't quite work out and then you're on that spiral again yeah there is that, that possibility I mean I know we've I, yeah, I've been to games where you see you know people who you managers who you know aren't in work at the moment but they're always out there still looking still taking in games, keeping their ear to the ground, so that when that opportunity comes along, you know, they can they can step in. I, I don't know whether that's a situation with Russell Slade at all, and I don't want to do him any disservice by suggesting it's not, you know, it, 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 he's not in our neck of the woods particularly, so um, it's, it's, a, it's a wait and see one, isn't it, with Hereford, but they've certainly appointed a guy with, with, some, with some pedigree manager, really, um, and I say, I think Hereford fans generally welcome the appointment. You know, it's um, it's nice to have a permanent manager in. He got his feet straight under the table. He said, "Oh no, I'll be in the dugout straight away." Not the start he would have wanted necessarily. A, a goalless draw at home with Boston isn't isn't a fantastic start to his reign. But um, yeah, we'll see how that one goes. And, and Hereford, you know, they've started well this season, haven't they? They're, they're certainly where, well ahead of where they were twelve months ago. Yeah, let's see if they're going. Let's see, they're going to have a wild, wild party at the end of the season, eh? <laughs> so we'll move on towards the bottom now, and Bradford Park, I mean, they occupy second bottom spot. As you said, the, um, you went up there yesterday, Dick. You went up there on Saturday, uh, celebrated your birthday, uh, looking at the running track and eating chips, but ultimately Telford came out with the three points against a Bradford Park Avenue side who have struggled but seem to be improving. Yes, they do. They were, um, you know... Those early results they had, those two five nils that uh, that cost Gary Thompson his job ultimately. Um, but yeah, they got a win on Monday away at Darlington, which isn't the the easiest of places to go and get a result. Um, and yeah, I could see that they were excited that they're very youthful. I suppose you've got that thing of having a young team of perhaps inexperienced players that if they go a couple of goals down in a game, you know, have they got the um, the experience to draw upon that's going to that's get them back into games but you know I saw signs from them yesterday that, that I don't think they're as bad a side as perhaps their record suggests um, Lewis Knight who's one of the few players who stayed on from last season for me was their standout player I think he's an, an, a, a, a real live wire at this level um, yeah Telford got the win but Bradford Park Avenue um, made them work hard for it they equalised twice um, to, to pull Telford back to, to, to level peg and he took a Brendan Daniels goal about a quarter of an hour from the end to, to seal it um, I'd like I wouldn't I'd, you know nobody wants to see anybody struggling at the foot of the table it's not good for the league either as well it reduces the competitiveness if relegation places are almost sort of like filled halfway through the season so um, no we're hoping for better for Bradford Chris, Dickie, Abby, can we write off um, Blythe Spartans yet at the bottom with one point the four points adrift already? I'm going to say, I think it's a weird one because you've seen so much of life in 
of the senses and you're saying it's only what seven eight games into the season sort of there's no way to say it's a write off just yet I don't think yeah they're, they're a long well they're not a long way behind but only one point after seven they've, they've played one fewer than anybody else I think because they were due to go to Spanny War um, it's a tough challenge for Lee Clark I mean he's he's gone into a a club there where you know we we know about the issues with the budget last season Alan Armstrong that being behind his departure we've kind of talked that one to death really um, I think you know we've Blythe have got to try and move past that now haven't they they are where they are now um, uh, but you know they're, they're struggling for results at the moment not the easiest places to go yesterday a long journey down to Lamington and the Lamington side who were in form um, but you know they, they've got to start trying to make Croft Park a difficult place for teams to go again. Um, that's been a strength through in the past. You know people don't enjoy that that long journey all the way up to Northumberland and and, and returning with nothing. And, and that's you know that would be a good place to start for Blythe. Just trying to start getting some home results on the board and, and then just take it from there. Catherine have struggled. You saw them on the opening day of the season. Dicky beat Telford and. Uh... Since then, they struggled at all. They got a good point at Southport on Saturday. Mike McGrath scoring on his on his debut for them, but it's just not quite happened for me, has it? No, it hasn't. I think I was unfortunate enough to see their best performance of the season. They um, they beat Telford on the opening day, and the place was bouncing. And you know, it kind of felt like that one was written in the stars a little bit that they were going to win that one. They've struggled since. Um, you know, keeping clean sheets is is looks. You know, something that I don't think they have kept a clean sheet all season, to be perfectly honest. So that much, again, if we're talking about places to start, you know, stop conceding goals, I'm sure Nicky Eden is, you know, working on that one. Um, Another Wharton warning there, wasn't it? When you think that they're the team who came up as champions and that Kings Lynn came up through a super playoff and that Kingsley are actually the team that are flying, whereas Kettering the team that won their division by something like 15 points or so, and they're the one that are struggling. It's a surprise, but, um, you know, adjusting to new leagues, we spoke about it at the start of the show, and, and, and Kettering are, are finding that adjustment difficult. Yeah, I mean, they're back in May because they had the whole Super Championship for the Southern League as well which I found was a weird one, but it was a new one, but their playing surface isn't necessarily the best at um, Kettering, which could be having a factor if it's got any worse since I've been there. Also, they had a really mad game on Bank Holiday Monday where they were 1-0 up at half-time against Kidderminster and ended up losing by five goals to three. (laughs) So it was a a pretty crazy game there. And finally, just going to look at Darlington, because you mentioned Alan Armstrong and he left leaving Blythe. Um, I'm sure we're expecting for, for better things. They've got eight points from eight games, so a point a game, but uh, he won't be too happy that they're down in 18th at the minute. No, he won't. I think Darlington fans were, were would have been hoping for a better start than this. As you say, eight points from eight games isn't absolutely awful, and bearing in mind, you know, we've spoken about there are teams lower than them. But... Um, that it's not, you know, Alan Armstrong's return to Darlington hasn't really sort of like had quite the bounce that they wanted from it. They won a couple, um, but lost four. Um, and I think what perhaps we thought might have, have helped them was the fact that he took, you know, a core of players across from from Blythe when he left. 
um, to add some experience. When I saw Darlington towards the end of last season, they seemed quite a, a young side. Um, I think they've lost one of their better players um, in Luke Trotman. I think he might be gone for the season, unfortunately, um, mm. with a serious injury. So that's left them with a little bit of a gap to fill. Um, I thought we, I think we all thought that they would be slightly better off than they are now. And um, you know, Alan Armstrong, he, he, he did feel he had his hands tied at Blythe last season. I'm not sure he's got quite those constraints on him at Darlington, but it's he's got another challenge on his hands. Okay, so now we're going to look at the National League South. Hi, I'm Hakan Hayrich, and you're listening to the NL Full-Time Podcast. So in the National League South, we had Serena Arce. She caught up with Danilo Arce Dadamo to talk about his winner on Bank Holiday Monday. Hello, I'm Serena, and today I am joined by Hampton and Richmond's forward Danilo Arce Dadamo. So Hampton and Richmond got their first three points on Saturday, followed up by a second 1-0 win on Monday. How are you feeling about these wins? Yeah, really good, actually, really good. It was... Um... Obviously, a long time coming. I think if you look back at the games, we've um, we've deserved to get more out of them than what we have, and to be able to get two two wins in such a short time, and especially over Bank Holiday, it's a real good boost for the team and a real, a real great feeling. Yes, and a big well done to you because you got another goal for your tally this season. Talk to me, how big was this for you? Yeah, do you know what? It's always nice scoring, but um, I think it was more important about the performance again on Monday, and just to follow up from what we did on Saturday at Dawkin, now back at home and thankfully we um, we came away with a 1-0 win against Chippenham. So yeah, it was obviously a good feeling to score but it was more important to get the three points. Definitely, well the team are definitely starting to build up momentum. I mean this week you've got Eastbourne away. I know the last time you two teams met it was a 1-1 draw so how are you feeling going into the game? Yeah, it's going to be an interesting game. Obviously we played Dawkin on Saturday which was also on AstroTurf so I can almost say the preparation started a bit earlier for us going into Eastbourne. It's just going to be a similar surface. But as long as we can uh, put in the sort of performance we did over Bank Holiday, um, I'm positive that that we can get a uh, get a good result down there. Definitely. And I know you started off the season with two defeats against two teams which are favourites to go up. Um, but you've bounced back now with back-to-back wins. So tell me, how has this affected the mood in camp and what's it like compared from then to now? Well, I think if you look at it, when the fixtures were released, we always knew we were going to have a very, very tough start to the um, to the season. Obviously, we chanced away on the first day, and then um, having at home on the Tuesday, it was always going to be um, a real tough start and a real test of character. And I think if you look at the games that we lost, we probably didn't deserve to come away with nothing from all of them. And now to obviously pick up seven points out of the last nine, you can see the team, like we said earlier, starting to build momentum and it's going going in the right direction so the mood's obviously changed and it's a lot more upbeat now but I don't ever think it was uh, ever at a stage of any real concern because we always knew what we were capable of and now we're starting to show just that. Yeah that's a great mindset to have as a team and you obviously only joined Hampton and Richmond in the summer and um, so what's it been like working with Gary McCann and staff and um, how have you found it so far? Yeah it's a real great club and I'm really enjoying every moment of being here. Obviously I spoke to Gary in the summer and his staff and they set out their visions and the direction they want to take the club in and that was kind of the main decision and reason why I came to this club. So I'm just really looking forward and excited to see how well we can do as a team this year and see where this season can take us. And that was Danilo Arce Didamo and it wasn't quite such a, a good day on Saturday. Uh, Elliot Remain made all the Hampton and Richmond Boroughs fans leave early as they lost by four goals to one. Uh, a good result for East Barn that, wasn't it, Abby? Yeah, I mean, 
when you look at Eastbourne, they aren't necessarily going to be the team that you think are going to go smashing teams around. But I mean, come the National League itself, it's people saying it's such a strong league this season that anything can be expected. I mean, Eastbourne's only got nine points from eight. That's still more than one point per game. They have had some losses, like massive losses, like a uh, brain tree. It's a twin four-one against Hampton Richmond. Really playing something really far. And looking at the top of the league, Wealdstone, they, um, they're keeping up their momentum. They had a really good win over Maidstone as well. We know we've got a strong side. We've got John still there, Hakan Heretin. They've got the likes of Matt McClure up, up front as well. Gavin Hoyt in defence, Jake Cole in goal. So, Wealdstone, are just, uh, they just keep rocking on at the top at the minute, don't they? So, Wealdstone, when they're playing at home, they've had such a good record so far. I mean, they've only lost what, what the one game so far this season. I was saying Stolwich Hamlet, which is a hard side to go to, so 2-1 against Maidstone, I bet they'll be pleased about that, Maidstone coming down from the National League, so it's an interesting one. Yeah, Maidstone are kind of, yeah, the, the, the full time I think still, aren't they, but they've, they've underwhelmed a bit so far, haven't they? Yeah, Maidstone haven't looked as strong as you'd expect them to be, but they're still sitting there 10th in the moment, 11 points from the 8 games, so... Although they don't, look, they they are losing fixtures that they should, well they think they should win. It's an interesting one. They're still trying to find their feet, I think. And then once they find their feet, I reckon they're going to be a killer force. I was really, I was really interested by John Still's comment where he just said, "I just couldn't understand the things we were doing," <laughs> which is not good, really, when um, the manager of your team saying that. Really, no, not at all. I mean, if you can't understand what you're doing as a team, then you can't really work on it. So, just trying to work out what is going on there what's going bad what's going good what even is happening to then try and work on it and keep it going or to stop it in its tracks Hot on Wheelstone's heels are having at Waterlooville who, who we'd expect to be up there and also Hemel Hempstead who've had a, a good start to the season they were pegged back late on by a Norman Wabble goal at Dartford and having at Waterlooville had a really good 3-0 win away at Oxford at struggling Oxford to see a win you'd probably expect them to get really yeah, I mean, when you look at it, having to have become a known National League side in the uh, National League South, I think it's just trying to build up that momentum to then go up in the next league. So you are expecting them to win the matches uh, again and again. And Oxford haven't necessarily been the best of form. They seem to be a mid-table sort of team. They have dropped a little bit since the start of the season, but it's still early days. And Billy Ricky, Billy Ricky had a good win over uh, Hunger Vatana, we know well through Ian Herring, but they slipped to the bottom of the table now with that 3 0 defeat. Moses Emmanuel uh, inspiring Billy Ricky to a win there. Uh, Dulwich are doing really well, aren't they, as well? Um, it, it, I think you obviously have come up through the ranks with, with Dulwich. They came up a season before Weymouth, but uh, are you surprised after their struggles last season how well they're doing, Abby? Not really. I mean, I've had um, chats with their fans and everything. They have got that support behind them. So I think it's just a fact that they have brought in some players. They have sort of started training up and just getting that bit better. But I think if you have that all-important um, support home or away, especially when you're home at Champion Hill for Dulwich, they have such a major support. They do get sellouts quite often from what I've heard. So if you've got all those fans chanting behind you, it's going to give that team a bit of a boost. It's going to affect their performances. So it's one of those ones where it's 
I bet you're looking forward to going there. I know Rob went there last season. He really enjoyed his visit. Yeah, it's one of the places that is definitely on my to-do list um, to go on as Champion Hill. It's I've had the, uh, I went there and saw the outside of it and had a little peek of the staging from the outside, and it doesn't look too bad. But it's just going to be the atmosphere there, and I think that's going to be one of the matches that us Wigan fans will flock to at flock to there just for the atmosphere and just to try and try our best to take it over as such because that's what we like doing with the singing we try and take over the clubs even if it's meant to be a struggle like it will be a dollar. Talking of Wayne if you're in that last playoff spot on 12 points and you drew 1-1 at Tunbridge Angels Brett Williams he started off the season really well for you and he scored again on Saturday Yeah I mean when going to the match yesterday it was um, a weird one uh, it was Brett Williams have been a set up a pass in the first um, half and it should have been one that was a sitter if we had uh, a few of our players from last season if we had good chips still there that would have been a tap in no matter what and we'd have been one up in the first half but you're also looking at the fact that Weymouth again were being caught up in penalty drama two penalties given away yesterday so managed to save the first one the second one had to be retaken due to player enrichment and it's just a mind game trying to save the second penalty twice so it was a really hard feat for the keeper again Callum Ward but we are trying our best but we have come to feet too but we're not playing the same football as we could last season and we're just still trying to find that attacking force that we've got especially when we've got two players really good players like Josh McCoy and Ben Thompson both out injured how big a loss has uh, Brandon Gubbshit been I mean obviously you lost 40 odd goals but it doesn't look like you, you, you're kind of struggling with your position in the table so obviously Brett Williams has filled that void Not he's not maybe going to get you the 40 goals that Brandon Gubbshit did but certainly uh, has it proved a bit of a miss um, a little bit of a miss but I think to be honest it's although it seems like Brett Williams has been filling that gap uh, from what we've seen so far this season it's been the fact that we've had Josh McCoy this season because he was all out last season that's filled the gap with uh, the help of some of Brett William and some of Ben Thompson Thompson's really stepped up this season and brought some of his A game when he's been able to play so it's going to be an interesting one I think there's a few players there that will be able to attack and it's just trying to get it to them to be a fit all the time if we've got those three players on the pitch I reckon sometimes you will be seeing us just go and um, do, do the Weymouth and just have our, have our fun and not care about the other team just play them dirty <laughs> I like that I like that attitude Weymouth were in the last playoff place and Brain, you're ahead of Braintree on goal difference and they got a win at Chippenham thanks to uh, Alfie Chirulli's winner yesterday and, and Braintree after a really slow start are recovering now and are they kind of the danger team if you like I think to be honest this season we've got any team can be a danger team there's not really any all teams have got that sort of style about them that they can go and win matches and it's just trying to do it I think the only team you could try and say that's not part of that so far has been Tombridge but even they even they have proved what five points from the eight games a team that's just been promoted through the Super Playoffs you expect them to be a little bit struggling but they're not too it's not like they're on one point or two points or not one and they've got any points they are still there and 
all the teams that you expect to possibly do a bit better, like St. Albans, they're down 18 for the moment. Really is. Any team can do anything. And Braintree's got that as well, and they start to act upon it. But it's who can do that better? So what, what other results caught your eye? Was there anything that like really stood out for you as well yesterday, Abby? I think yesterday you've got the likes of Concord. They're still looking up at, uh, after last season's thematics um, and they didn't actually get to play in the playoffs. I think they're a team that has come back from it and been like, right, this season we'll make it so we're there again. And once they know they're, they're again, I reckon they'll do the work before and just to make sure they're there. Uh, so it's just building that back up. They've got three 0 against Welling, so that currently sets them a place above Weymouth, a point above Weymouth. It's just going to be the case of if they can continue that form. Obviously, but I don't think there's been many other fixtures that caught my eye because there's quite a few draws around the table uh, yesterday. Yeah, a lot of draws, and, and as you mentioned with Concord as well, it's it's a new management team and quite a new team as well. So they they have started off the season um, a lot better than people probably expected them to. Definitely, I think after last season, most people would have thought they would have gone in an attitude of, oh, we're going to stay in this season, this league, but especially when you've got new players, new management, but they've come around and they went, nope, we're here for the playoffs again, and once we know we've got them, we'll do the work. So, it's going to be an interesting one come the end of the season, or even come halfway of the season, where they're going to be sitting, or any team's going to be sitting within that fact, and what's going to go on. Do you think Weymouth can stay in the playoffs for the rest of the season? I think, to be honest, Weymouth could stay in the playoffs at the end of the season, um, especially once we've got that form going back again and we've got those players fit and it's everything like that. When we, miss, when we have players out injured, we normally miss them quite a lot because it is that sort of, our team is so connected to each other that if one part's gone, it seems like we've got to try and fit it, but there's not really a player. Every player has their own sort of way of playing, but it all connects up together and makes beautiful football. If one part of it's gone, then it's like, oh, what do we do? So I reckon once we're all fit and everything, I reckon we could reach playoffs. But to be honest, I'd be happy even if we were three places off bottom. Well, not three places off bottom, but three places off the relegation zone. Yeah. I wouldn't mind that. As long as we stay up this season, it would be the best place to be. But I wouldn't mind taking part in the playoffs this season. To be honest, in a way, I don't want us to go up this season. We need to sort of make that settlement again. Don't do what we've done before. Yeah, I don't... Um, no, I was going to say, I don't think you'll have any trouble staying up, certainly. I mean, there's only two relegation places in the minute there. As I said, they're occupied by Tunbridge and Hungerford. And uh, I can't see Weymouth filling those. And I'm sure everyone else would agree with that. Say, yeah, uh, Weymouth... I don't think anyone could have said that Weymouth's going to really fill up those relegation places because we came up to this division... Everyone says it's going to be tough. Everyone says that, oh, uh, there's a few people that were saying we're was only here to make up numbers and we've had the management team, Mark Mosley, go uh, and pretty much prove that we're not just here to make numbers, we're here to show, it's how, show how it's done the Dorset way. On that note, uh, that is it. Thank you very much for joining us, Abby. You're very much welcome. So thanks for joining us, Dickie. You're very welcome, Luke. Nice to speak to you again. Brill, thanks for joining us, Chris. Yeah, cheers, Luke. And don't forget to subscribe to us on iTunes and Spotify. And also follow us on Twitter at NLFullTime. You can also send us an email, nlfulltime at gmail.com. Until then, thank you very much for listening, and we'll see you all very soon.